Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Bow Rush Podcast. This is episode 011, episode 011, episode 11. You know, we're we're getting through them now and we're having a blast. Um, you know, as always, this is Scott Nelson and I uh, got Travis Stowe on the line with me. Travis, how are you doing today, bud? Pretty good, Scott. How about you? Man, I'm doing great. Just, uh, you know, coming down to the wire with a little bit of uh, archery season left out here. I'm just I'm just thrilled that um, we have this long of a season from you know September all the way to to the end of January. You got a lot of time out there, and it's it's bittersweet because it's coming it's coming to the end of of, uh, of the time you get to spend chasing whitetail down here in Georgia. Yeah, I mean we got we're spoiled a little bit having so much time being in the southeast, and uh, not everybody has the same kind of opportunities. No, no, a lot of places is you have your five days or your 10 days to go out there and hunt and outside of that you're, you're scouting out here we spend literally the entire time um from september to, to the end of january chasing uh chasing whitetails and and having some great opportunities so it's it's uh definitely very cool it's a, it's a lot different than i'm used to but it's very cool to be down here when you're talking about opportunities you now we, we have a guy that's gonna be coming on and you happen to know him really well uh, i've been fortunate enough to be introduced by him through you uh, not too long ago, but his story is quite amazing. Uh, it's some gut-wrenching moments, but uh, who are we bringing on? Yeah, so um, my buddy Brandon Rice, I've, I've known him for, we're going on about probably seven years now. Uh, we used to work together. Um, I, I I got him into, um, got him back into into fly fishing, and, and me and another buddy of ours introduced him in, into really bow hunting and kind of how to progress in bow hunting. And he picked it up and just ran with it. Got got a bow shortly after we started talking about bow hunting, and you know he's been nothing but trying to shoot stuff ever since then. So it's it's been very cool. He's a great guy, uh, hard worker, and uh, loves to hunt. You know, and he, as his story will show, um, he's uh, he's very persistent. Um, kick him, he gets right back up. And he's uh, he's ready to go. So you know, let's let's go and bring Brandon on and have him kind of tell the listeners, you know, the ups and the downs of the season. You know, how he what happened to him, how he got through some of it, and where season ended up. So hey, hey, Brandon, you there, buddy? How are you guys doing? We're doing We're great. We're doing good. Brandon, most people have had some struggles through their hunting season, maybe not being able to get that best shot off or a missed opportunity, but you had what I would say a trifecta of problems through this whole season. And Scott and I received some of these text messages and it was just mind boggling the things that were happening to you. But for whatever happened, you seemed to find a way to power through the situation. You didn't let it end your season, just give up. You kept getting out in the woods, you found a way, and you were successively able to get the job done by the end of the season. But let's get to it. You know, Tell us how it started. Oh, <clears throat> well, you know, usually... Um, probably the last three years at this property I was hunting, uh, you know, put in a lot of work uh, after the first season, um, you know, seeing what I saw, you know, from sitting in the tree stand for many, many hours. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a property that was less than three miles from my office. So I could get off work and, and sneak into a stand and and uh, see what was going on. Um so, you know, after a couple of years uh, up to this season, uh, things were looking really good. And as you guys can remember, you know, throughout the late summer and, and starting into, you know, early, early fall before season started, I started sending you pictures of, 
of some of the deer that uh, I've been getting trail cams uh, pictures of on the property. Yeah, I remember seeing them. They were pretty impressive. And uh, so we were all getting pretty excited. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Scott telling me, hey, I'm moving back. You know, we got to, you know, get this sorted out and, you know, get everything together. So, you know, we're all getting excited because, you know, it's going to be a good season. Uh, really had the, the deer pattern actually really well um, as far as a couple of good spots that you definitely see deer when you get up in the trees. Um, and about two weeks right before our season started, um, I believe it was, I went to work on a Monday at 7 a.m. And uh, that previous Friday, I had just, uh, you know, made sure my bow was sighted in. Uh, I also hunt with a crossbow, so I was making sure everything was dialed in on that. I had just replaced the string on my crossbow, and uh, so I was getting that squared away. And probably about 1.15, I went and took my lunch, and I go sit out in my car and, you know, pull up the computer and start looking at deer photos. And uh, as I'm walking out to my car, I'm, I drive a four-door Jeep Wrangler with a soft top, and I'm like, hey, uh, why am I seeing daylight? you know, out of the back uh, window. And I was like, something's not right. So I go to my passenger door, open it up. Sure enough, the window was ripped off and uh, my bow and crossbow and uh, a bunch of other uh, items like my rangefinder were stolen. Uh, so that was two weeks before the season started. That really uh, sucks. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a real bummer. Um, you know, so I immediately, uh, after I got off the phone with the insurance company, I gave Scott a call, left him a message and, you know, he called me back and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And, you know, the insurance company's just taking their time. And, you know, next thing you know, three days turns into a week, a week turns into two weeks and the season's starting. And, you know, Scott's like, so are you going to get a bow? And Travis, or you asked me, are you going to get a crossbow? Are you going to get a bow? And I was so mangled. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've been shooting my bow since. Uh, it was a PSE dream season, uh, and I bought it. Uh, when did I buy it, Scott? Was it the summer of 2008 or uh, uh, the fall uh, of 2009? Yeah, 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 right before the season 2009 is when you picked that guy up. Great and, bow, by the way. Oh, it, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that bow shot so well. Um, you know, first time pulling it out. I could drop an arrow, you know, center mass at 40 yards, uh, never really had to make any modifications to it with the sight. I mean, it was just dead on all the time. Uh, great bow. I love shooting it. So I had a really hard time deciding if I wanted to get fitted for another bow, you know, and, and really try and I was concerned Dial it back about, in. yeah, I was concerned about getting a good feel with the bow that I'd never shot before. Uh, so I ended up deciding, uh, right into the first week of season, I ended up going with a, a crossbow. Mm -hmm. So what, what crossbow did you go with? Uh, after a bunch of research, you know, I looked at everything from, you know, 10 point, you know, PSE, uh, had started coming out with uh, a few crossbows and there was a couple others, but, uh, the one brand that really stuck out in my mind was the Barnett. Uh, they just had such a wide selection of, uh, crossbows, you know, with higher speed, lighter weight. Um, so I decided to go with the Buck Commander uh, from Barnett, which actually shoots 365 feet per second. And um, 
you know, with everything else that I was going to have to buy with the insurance money and I was not going to make back what I originally paid for, you know, my items, I probably lost, you know, 1500 bucks, um, you know, of what I, you know, figured I should have made. Um, so with my budget, you know, I was like, well, when you start getting arrows and broadheads and you got to have a range finder, um, you know, and getting the crossbow and everything and a, you know, a case or something to protect it, carry it in. Um, I decided to go with the buck commander that shoots 365 feet per second. And, uh, it's actually lighter, uh, than the one I had the previous season, which was the Barnett ghost 350 mm-hmm. and it shot. 350 feet per second, but usually probably take about 10 feet per second off of that. Uh, so you probably shoot about 350 to 340, uh, depending on which model you get. So I went with the 365, and uh, that thing was so fast, you literally, you'd see it leave the rail, and then you wouldn't see it until it hit the target. I mean, you just, it's not like a bow and arrow where you could actually almost literally watch you know, the knock of the arrow, you know, flying through the air and watch it hit its target. It was just so fast. You know, it's kind of thinking back the moment it did, you found out that everything was stolen and you know, what really gave you that feeling of like season's about to start or has already started and I got to get something. I mean, some people probably would just packed up and said, well, there goes my season, but you still kept with it. Like what was the drive that made you still want to go hunting overseeing all these issues that are happening? Well, you know, it was, it was definitely an unfortunate affair. Um, you know, like I told Scott over the phone, I was actually more upset that whoever stole the, you know, my bow and my crossbow, they could have just unzipped the window of the Jeep. Uh, instead, they cost me two deductibles instead of one um, because they stuck a knife in, in the hole of the Jeep, you know, put a hole in the window and then ripped it off and, and tore part of the zipper. Um, you know, luckily the, the top wasn't damaged at all, but, uh, you know, I think I was kind of, I was really upset with that. And, and I guess uh, for me, you know, I had good insurance. Um, was I a little worried that this could take a lot longer, you know, and I'd lose that early season. Cause you know, some of the bucks that I had pictures of, um, you know, when you start getting into, you know, October and uh, that early season where they're, you know, out in midday, uh, you know, you might see them hit food source maybe three times a day or, or twice a day. Well, you know, once you their internal clock in October, you know, they their pattern starts to change. So that's what I was really worried about. Um, you know, if I didn't get out there sooner enough, I'd, I'd miss those opportunities, those early season opportunities. Uh, before they get really smart and, you know, they start figuring out where you are, you know, where the hunter is. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was really concerned about that. But, you know, I guess the hardest decision, I mean, I kept going back and forth. You know, I really wanted to shoot a buck with my bow, um, you know, and, and and I knew using my crossbow, of course, it would be a lot easier. Um, you know, I had a... a I pulled a shot uh, the season before on a nice eight pointer and, you know, couldn't find him, you know, could have been, you know, that, that no man's land, um, you know, gave him time to pass on, but probably didn't give him enough time. And, uh, you know, went after him and, you know, went looking the next day and no sign of him. So, so to really be able to shoot a, you know, a deer with a bow was, was uh, very important to me. And it was something I didn't want to give up on. But uh, with the time frame that I was looking at and wanting to get into the tree stand, 
I had to make a choice. And, uh, you know, the, the simple decision was really just to go with the crossbow, you know, um, uh, for me hunting, yeah, hunting's about getting in the trees, getting in the woods, uh, hunting helps me relax, but at the same time, I want to put food in the freezer for my family. And, uh, you know, if I'm lucky enough and, and things happen right and that big buck walks in front of you, uh, like many of us, you know, and we have the opportunity to take that shot, uh, you want to make sure that you, you're able to put the best shot you can uh, on that deer and get it down quickly and, you know, take it home with you. So, uh, you know, with everything that happened, I, I had to, I chose to go with the crossbow uh, for this season. Uh, that way I could do research. There's so many new bows out on the market. Uh, you know, everybody's boasting, you know, uh, fastest bow, quietest bow, um, best draw cycle, um, you know, and, and really just going to a, a bow shop and, and even, you know, if you're there an hour or two, um, but not really being able to shoot a bow to get a good feel for it um, really made me nervous going into the season. So that was a really hard decision to make. Yeah, I think you made a pretty good decision. Well, yeah. You know, the the thing about it, and it sucked, is you know that was that was just the beginning. You you got back on tracking. You found a found a crossbow that you really liked with the barnet, and you started tuning it in again. Um, Ed. Uh, you know that wasn't the last bad phone call I got from you this this season. Unfortunately, I would love to end it there and say the next trip out you 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 got that big buck. But uh, you know, talk a little bit about that next phone call because that that one I think is something that so many people you know whether you hunt public land or even private land that's surrounded by other hunting clubs, you know what you dealt with is a big deal, especially down here in the south. Talk a little bit about that incident. Well, the, the property that I hunt uh, was hunting probably was about 90 acres. And, um, you know, it was, it was me and two other guys uh, who I trust, you know, very great, great individuals, very cool guys would help me out. And um, so what happened was I think it was about three weeks into this, you know, uh, the fourth week of the season. And... Um, so I'd hunted maybe one good week, you know, got out there a couple of days and I went on a Wednesday hunt and it was an evening hunt and, um, you know, actually had, uh, actually got a doe and, uh, a fawn on camera that night. And, uh, but I, you know, didn't want to take that doe, you know, that fawn was, was a youngin and, uh, needed her mother. So, you know, I let that doe pass, but, um, you know, was it able to sit there and just, you know, watch him eat and get it on camera. That was exciting as it was. And, but I knew I was going to be back out there on Friday. And, um, so I went ahead and packed up at night, you know, left and went about my Thursday and, you know, went to work and everything. We'll get up bright and early. I think it was about three thirty Friday morning, get ready, you know, go to the property and I get out to the property and, I got my headlamp on with my, uh, you know, with my red light and I walk, you know, knew exactly where I was walking in, you know, had my little path laid out, uh, trying to, you know, reduce my noise and impact and scent. So I knew exactly where I was going and I stand at this tree and I'm looking at it like, <laughs> you know, I almost wish it's one of those things you could have seen, um, because I just had this blank look on my face, like, all right, I'm looking at this tree. I know this tree. I've hunted from this tree before. 
So what's different about this picture? And uh, literally, it's kind of like you had your keys on your car keys on the dining room table. You just saw them. You walked away to fill up your coffee, and then you completely forgot where they were. Um, so I thought I was at the wrong tree, and I kept looking and looking and looking. Well, I knew I had a camera nearby, and so uh, you know, kind of moved my the angle of my my headlamp and turned around and looked at the tree, and I was like, wait a minute, there, there's no camera there. And I'll walk around the tree one big circle, and I'm like, man, that's the thorn bush that's right on the other. I was like, I'm in the right spot. Well, after a minute or two, it finally hits me that basically my stand and a 20 foot, uh, you know, lat, you know, ladder um, system was gone. Jeez. And uh, you know, it's like literally like my just my stomach just hit the ground. I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, what is going on? I was like well, maybe one of the guys moved it and didn't say anything. You know, maybe they just forgot to say anything. Well, at that point, I was so out of my mind. I was like, I'm not even worrying about hunting right now. You know, where am I going to go? I was like, well, let's, let me go see if my climber's over here, and I'm going to go check this other tree. Well, I go to the other tree. My climber's gone. Uh. And then uh, at that point, uh, I knew, you know, something had gone down. And... Um, you know, so I waited uh, a couple hours and, you know, made some calls, uh, talked to my friends, told them what had happened. And uh, so I went back out in the woods, uh, probably about, waited till about lunchtime. Uh, so I wouldn't spook any of the deer and, uh, you know, decrease my presence. And so I went out there and was looking for footprints, everything you could see. And, and I found a trail. And sure enough, a trail went all the way to a road. And I had, uh, let's see, three sets of, uh, uh, ladders and three stands and one climber and four cameras taken. Oh, I mean, they, they hopped the fence, didn't they? It wasn't just like an open property. It was, it's a protected property. Uh, actually that's the ironic part. You remember last season when we were tracking the, the eight point that you shot? Yeah. Uh, remember where we jumped that fence where the tree had knocked down that fence? Yeah. It was like busted down a little bit halfway. That's the spot, yeah. That's exactly the spot where they went through. That's right, because you said that you even, there was a, uh, um, something was left behind. The bow hanger, it was left behind. Okay. Yeah. That's just, I got (laughs) to say, I mean, both those phone calls just absolutely crushed me, because I I, I know how much time you put into that property, and, you know, there's, there were some phenomenal deer out there for sure. Um, You know, for down here, I mean, 150s to, push in the 160 classes is an awesome animal so uh, that was just gut-wrenching getting those phone calls from you bud yeah that was yeah it was um you know i i think i was more upset about uh, the lack of integrity you know from people willing to do something like that you know even as opposed as to breaking into my car um but at the same point you kind of tell yourself guys this is you know what else can happen you know, and then you're like knocking on wood, like, well, I shouldn't have said that, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, you, you get everything ready, you, you know, you get past one obstacle and next, next thing you know, you find yourself in another one. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was really disconcerting at that point, um, you know, as far as what was going to play out for the season. I still have to hand it to you though, even with that happening and you're calling Scott and you're trying to get all these things figured out you still kept in the back of your mind trying to stay 
quiet and you know, not making so much noise and having the scent control because you didn't want to spook the deer around you, even at a, that situation, you didn't care about really that much about what was happening. You still felt about what are you going to do if you got a chance to come back, knowing that you're still controlling the way you're walking in and doing things. It shows that you really do have a lot of passion for hunting and that with all, regardless of the things that are happening, you're still having a, a, a reason for being out there. Well, yeah. And, and two, it's, you know, I made so many mistakes uh, since I started hunting. Um, Don't we you know, all? <laughs> and, and everybody does. And it's really, you know, and, and I've watched, you know, hundreds of videos um, on YouTube. You know, we've all sat and watched the shows. Uh, you know, on TV and, and, uh, you know, for me, you know, I've always been a self learner, uh, for everything I do. And, um, but, you know, from years prior, I knew the mistakes. And of course, with talking with Scott over the years and, uh, talking with a friend of mine, uh, one of my old neighbors, Mark, uh, who, you know, both Scott and Mark really, you know, brought me into hunting when I moved back, you know, from Georgia, it was, it was always in my mind to start hunting uh, when I lived in Maryland. Uh, I rented a house on a 225-acre farm up in Maryland, and um, there was deer everywhere. And I could literally, you know, sit out on, you know, the back of a truck, my truck, and just sit there and wait for, you know, for the deer to come out. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had to get up in a tree stand. I wouldn't have had to do a ground blind. I mean, those deer would come out in those standing bean fields and, you know, just have at it. And uh, I remember we would count, you know, 40, 50 deer out there. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, hunting was always uh, in the back of my mind. But when I really came to Georgia and met, you know, Scott and we started fishing and, and talking about hunting and um, my friend Mark and, and he took me to his place and got me up in the trees, uh, in 2009 and a lot of rifle hunting, um, in South Carolina is what I did with him. But, you know, I still wanted to, you know, be able to go a step further, you know, and, and up my game and move into, you know, compound bows and crossbows and, um, you know, that level of hunting, it's just, you know, it's that much more fun, but it's also more difficult. Um, you know, last year, all it took was me to twitch just a little bit. Um, when I let go of my bow and what would have been my unicorn buck, my first eight point, he wasn't the biggest buck in the world, but my first eight point with a bow, um, you know, it had been a slow season for me and I pulled the shot and hit him, you know, towards the back. And, um, and as soon as, as soon as I let it go and I saw the flight of the arrow, I knew, um, I was like, I twitched, I knew it, you know, and I saw the impact and I was like, oh, you know, and I just, just grabbed a hold of my head and was just like all that practice and, you know, and, and then you get that, that moment, you know, where, you know, you're shaking, you're trying to control your nerves and you're like, holy cow, I can't believe this is actually going to happen for the first time. So, you know, it's, it's when you go to all the way back to that and then what you do now on, uh, you take all those mistakes and, and you're like, all right, I'm not going to do that this year. And so for me, with with the deer that we were seeing, the amount of footage I was getting on the cameras, um, I had just a really strong feeling that this year was going to be a good year. Um, you know, with with not only my skills were improving, but my confidence was improving. I could tell when I was sitting in a tree stand, I was more comfortable, more relaxed. 
Um, you know, so it's heartbreaking at one, you know, for, for one minute, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't give up on, on your passion or what's the point in doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, talk a little bit about once both those things happen, you, you got everything stolen out of your Jeep, you know, your crossbow, your bow, your rangefinder, a bunch of gear, you come out to your property and find that everything's gone, your stands, your cameras, your climbers, uh, you know, your next step is, you know, when I moved back here, we're kind of relegated to a bunch of uh, public land. So we did a few hunts out there. But once we did those hunts, where'd your season go? How did you how did you end your season? Uh, well, let's see. You know, let's see. When did that happen? Was it the first week of December? Yeah. Uh, middle, middle, of, middle of the first week. Was it a, a Wednesday? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was right at that first week. Of it's December. always a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what though? I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Even public land, you know, it's uh, you really want to get out there while everybody's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's got most people are working Monday through Friday. When's the best time to go? Get out there in the middle of the week. Say Wednesday, everything's calmed down. Uh, you know, deer kind of start get back into their patterns. Um, you know, I mean, that was like. Uh, it, you know, the season was, it, it was basically like it started, um, up until, you know, that first week of December, uh, you, you know, Scott and I went out to, um, the WMA <clears throat> up, uh, you know, towards North Georgia and we went out there a couple times and, um, Oh, what happened to me that first day? That's right. We, I was climbing up. I was climbing up in the tree with a, a climber that I bought, and um, the tether that held the the bottom of the tree stand snapped. And um, and uh, <laughs> so as I'm as I'm sitting about, well, yeah, I'm actually sitting on the the rail of the the top part of the climber, and uh, sure enough, there it goes. The bottom half goes crashing all the way down to twenty feet down the tree all the way to the bottom and um i was like well that probably scared everything within about 300 <laughs> yards of me so i figured well i'm going to sit here because if anybody has luck it should be scott because i just scared them all towards him down the bottom of the funnel so um you know uh and of course um let's see i get out of my tree stand after our evening hunt and i'm sitting down by the river or the creek and uh getting out of the tree stand how in the world did you get down <laughs> that's that's the funny part i'm i was sitting probably about 150 yards below him and, and what i thought was rattling um and uh it's got me super excited because i could hear something in the distance i'm like you know what that it kind of sounds like just some real real light rattling turned out to be his tree stand bouncing off going down the tree <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I short short time later I get the text message, uh, yeah. So the bottom of my tree stand just fell, <laughs> and and I and I do, but it was it was uh I think it was the morning we saw all the turkeys, wasn't it? Oh yeah, man, that was it. So. It was actually you had um you had actually come over because you had some of your steps left over that you didn't use, and uh, so you're able to use your uh, your your steps to get up uh you know get up the tree to actually get the top part of my uh stand down and uh so you're able to fetch the po- top part of my stand down which didn't go without any complications however <laughs> i've never been deer hunting and have seen that many turkey in my entire life i mean what was that 30 40 turkey 
in the group in the group that so quick quick background on it that that morning we there was probably about a flock of maybe 15 that came over the river and landed just below me about 20 yards and made their way up the hill and around and up to brandon um and throughout the rest of the morning there was groups of you know 10 and then a group of 30 but coming from the same direction so it wasn't the same birds just kind of repeating the same travel uh, went up to go help Brandon out and get the uh, get the rest of his stand down. And we're sitting there and talking, trying to prep out the rest of our day. We're going to do a little bit of scouting since we were on a new property. And, and, and we just like in an all-out commotion, we could – I mean, they came right over this hill about 30 yards above us. Uh, and there was 30 or 40 turkeys just in a giant circle in a full-out battle royale for – 10 15 minutes and would move a little bit and come closer and then move further away and feathers flying everywhere claws are going to each other in the halfway in the air two three four feet up in the air it was it was really cool to be able to sit there and watch that from i mean they got as close as 25 yards as we just stood there and watched them it was sight to see too bad that couldn't have happened during turkey season (laughs) you know what and that's exactly what we looked at each other and said you know come turkey season we won't see any turkey out here Mm -hmm. (laughs) they'll be non-existent you know (laughs) they're all i've never seen that many turkey but yeah that was that was pretty cool it was that was a very cool sight and yeah that would come turkey season that we won't see a single tom out there (laughs) well you know so you've had now it seems like three cases of bad luck and everything seems to come in threes. That surely happened to you, <laughs> but you kept persistent. What what happened after that? Well, you know, I mean, honestly, um, you know, when Scott had to work, and at that particular time, um, I don't think I was even working anymore. And uh, so, you know, during the week, um, you know, I'd sneak out to the WMA and just get out in the woods. Uh, you know, just just keep going out and. Uh, you know, found some great spots, a lot of deer sign out there, a lot of great rubs. Um, you know, there's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of big ones out there, uh, at that WMA and, um, a couple of great spots. I think that we found just walking through. Um, but you know, and, and then, you know, Scott called me up and said, Hey, you know, might have a couple other properties coming up. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. And, um, finally, I think I decided, I was like, you know, I just need to take a little break. So I took like a week off. Um, I think it was during Thanksgiving when, uh, uh went up to Charlotte, North Carolina, visit family and, uh, couldn't hunt the family farm, uh, that this season. So, uh, that was out of the question. And if I did, it would have been rifle hunting. So, you know, but it didn't work out. I couldn't hunt. Uh, so I came back after Thanksgiving and, um, you know, decided, well, hey, let's, you know, we'll just see what happens. And uh, sure enough, on a Wednesday morning at about 830, and I had actually, I think I had talked to Scott uh, the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had talked and we were trying to actually, you know, we were actually talking about trying to get time uh, to go out and hunt. And um, because I was convinced that, you know, that second rut um, was about to start flaring up. And uh, I'd seen a lot of does uh, moving since I had gotten back uh, from North Carolina. Um, 
Well, you know, let's let's step back just just a bit so kind of the listeners can understand where, where you're at with this. You know, talk a little bit about where you live and kind of the area around right where you live, because I think that's kind of crucial to the to the buildup of the story. Yeah, I live in uh, Cobb County, Georgia. Um, you know, we we're in Marietta, but not necessarily, you know, we're not located in the city of Marietta. So we're we're. You know, considered Marietta, Georgia, but we're pretty much just in Cobb County, I guess is how you would put it. And where I live, um, we back up to about 600 acres of national forest. And over the last, since I've lived here in 2007, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. And as I got, you know, more into hunting, uh, more into tracking, I would actually, you know, during the off season and uh, even during the season, I would actually go into the national forest and really just stalk deer. Um, you know, I'd either sit on a ridge line with my binos and uh, see if I could see anything. You know, I'd actually go to a hilltop with my, uh, you know, buck roar and uh, a couple doe bleats and uh, my rat, uh, my antlers and, and go out there and see if I could rattle anything in and you know, it was a place that I knew, you know, hey, you know, this is national forest. I'm not allowed to hunt here, but who says I can't, you know, practice and, you know, track and, you know, pattern deer. And, um, you know, for several years, me and my neighbor, Mark, had just seen a ton of deer. Um, you know, the population has been growing nonstop. Um, and it's just something I always kept an eye on uh, ever since I've lived here. I um, mean, you drive down... Uh, the bottom of a hill where there's power lines and every, you know, preseason you see the, um, the, uh, all the bucks, uh, in their bachelor groups, uh, you know, feeding and, you know, they're in velvet. And I know you guys have seen pictures of them over the last couple of years. I mean, we got a couple of, uh, two years ago we had, let's see, we had a big six, a big seven, and, and I mean big. I mean, for a six-pointer and a seven-pointer, these were shooters. I mean, these deer you could shoot uh, with, and get a good score. They had good mass, real thick bases, um, very tall tines, beautiful deer. And then we had the Monster 8, a 9, a 10. And last year, I think we had an 11-point and a 12-point out there. They had mm-hmm. blown up. And some of these deer, I mean, were probably – a good four and a half to six and a half years old. And then you had a couple of two and a half year olds in there. Um, you didn't see any spikes out there. You had, you know, that two and a half and up bachelor group out there. And usually there would be six to seven of them mm-hmm. every off season. And, uh, so I get out there and just watch them. Well, t- talk a little bit about, um, you know, being a property owner and, and living in the neighborhood that you live in, you know, where does that put you in reference to where you were, where you, ended up going hunting at and what kind of the regulations are in your county? Um, Well, for the state of Georgia and, um, you know, which was also like the state of Maryland, Georgia requires a hunter, uh, hunter safety course, um, which, you know, you have to take that uh, before your license is even issued. You know, and I went back through that. I actually started the process in 2008 and it took me seven or eight months before I was able to get into the class that you have to go sit in, uh, you know, a, a, 
an all day, well, not an all day class. I think it, yeah, half a day class, and then you have to actually take your written exam at the end of it, and then after you get your test for your scores, um, then they issue you your hunter safety class. So there's an online version you have to do first, then you have to get into the class, mm-hmm. and um, you know so. One of the things that I learned early on, especially from this guy in this class, was, you know, every year, you know, something's going to change. You know, you got to pay attention. But also, too, is with living here and being next to a national forest, I had to find out the national regulations and find out if there was anything. Did they ever offer any quota hunts? Would they ever open up uh, the national forest to hunt? And Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times over the last, you know, seven years that I've walked outside and would just see deer broad daylight, uh, you know, right in the evening, right in the morning. And, um, and every time, you know, those deer would be in that national forest Mm -hmm. and, uh, where I live, you know, there's different areas, you know, where, uh, there's a lot more room and then there's areas where you have a narrower corridor, um, you know, for such an opportunity. And on Wednesday, uh, the first week of December, um, you know, it finally, it finally happened. And, um, I actually had a, uh, um, a deer come off to my left. He was about a hundred yards away, maybe 120 yards. And, um, you know, over the years I had, you know, always had a spot. I knew I wanted to be always had a spot where if I knew if the deer would come into that zone, would come into that area and, and come out of that national forest and come onto the private property, uh, I would have an opportunity. And whether it was a buck or a doe really didn't matter, you know, to me. Um, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I'm really, you know, I love hunting and yeah, I want, I want to get a trophy one day, you know, a big buck, but at the same time, uh, it's all about, you know, I love venison and I love to cook venison and my (laughs) wife loves venison, which is great because she's like, you need to get a deer. You know, we, we need to, our feet, our feet, you keep giving deer meat away to your friends. You need to fill it back up. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's probably a ton of men out there saying, man, I wish that would be my wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and you know, the great thing too is my son loves it. I mean, I actually, you know, we did, um, uh, we did some, uh, backstrap wrapped in bacon the other night, a uh, little Bernays sauce and, uh, some steamed broccoli. I mean, you couldn't get any simpler than that. And it was just so good. And you just watch my son just chowing down on, he's like, dad, this is so good. This is so good. And, uh, so, you know, it's great to see that. And at the same time, uh, it amazes me when, you know, I'm cutting the medallions of meat and, um, you know, and, and when I buy a beef tenderloin from the grocery store, you know, and, and I always buy the whole loin and then I cut my own fillets out of it and trim it down myself. And it's always cheaper to buy the meat like that. But, you know, you put two, the both together and, and, you know, there's just, there's no comparison. No comparison at all, you know, and um, it, it's just unbelievable. And, you know, again, it's just it's so good for you and hormone free and, you know, rain, just rain, free range. You just can't beat it. And uh, so, like I said, that's what it's all about. But um, at about 845 and like I said, I got off the phone with Scott from the night before and said, hey, we got to get out in the woods. It's happening. 
And sure enough, um, uh, wasn't the, the biggest eight pointer, um, that I've seen out there, but he was just a solid, beautiful, typical eight point, uh, good body on him. And I actually, uh, he disappeared. I'd, uh, he had disappeared for a minute and I couldn't see him. And I was like, well, let's just see if I'm right about this. Let's, you know, I'm kind of curious to see if he's actually chasing because he didn't necessarily have his head down, but he was following a rub line that I knew was there. And I was like, let's see if I can call him, you know, call him in. I needed to get him within 18 yards of where I was and, um, you know, and, and had to have a legal shot. And I hit the dope bleat twice. And it was what was so exciting about that brief 30 seconds of time lapse was I felt like I was in my own TV show. Like, you know, where you're watching, <laughs> you know, Tiffany and Lee Lakowski and you just see that buck, you know, just trotting in with his nose down and, you know, tail up. And he's like, I'm after something, you know, and then I'm going to get it. And then sure enough, bam, he walks right out and in range and, you know, they, you know, take him out. Well, this is exactly what happened. I hit the doe bleat twice. And uh, he just came trucking, and he came right into the zone, right exactly where I needed him to be. About how far was that? Uh, he came in to right around, I'd say, about 16 yards is the clo- is, is where he came into. Nice. Um, and uh, I had a very small window uh, that I could shoot through some limbs, and uh, probably about the size of a medicine ball, but exactly where he came, and then... I gave a little grunt and got him to, he gave me a full broadside. And, and as soon as he stopped, I let it rip. And, um, and that arrow was so fast at first I was like, I see him jump. And then I see the Luminoc on the air, on the bolt. And I was like, did I hit him? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, because it happens so fast, you know, the arrow comes off that, that, uh, that Barnett so fast. And, uh, I just, I was like, I hit him. I, I know I hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, I, I was able to watch, he, he, uh, trotted actually about 20 yards. It was almost like he didn't even know what happened. And I think I hit him. Uh, I think I got an artery and, um, it took about less than 25, 30 seconds. And I saw him, watched him lay down and, you know, that was it. And, um, so to be on the safe side with my previous experiences, um, I decided to hold back, not rush anything and, uh, you know, started, uh, texting and and making a couple of calls and kind of keeping an eye on him. And, um, you know, I could tell he wasn't moving, uh, wasn't kicking or anything. And, uh, so I finally got down, walked away and, uh, went on my business from prior experience, you know, getting out of a stand too early, pushing deer. Um, even when you know you made a good shot, uh, sometimes you just got to be careful to take a moment. So um, that's pretty much how it went down. But uh, to go back, because I completely went off tangent, was uh, with Cobb <laughs> County. Um, Cobb County, Fulton County, Forsyth County. Uh, and what was it? What was the other one, Scott? Was it DeKalb County? DeKalb and... Uh... Clayton? No, no, there's yeah. one other one. It's Forsyth, Fulton, Cobb, DeKalb, and I believe Paulding County. I think Paulding's the other Paul- one. 
Um, well, those counties actually have an extended archery season. Oh. However, uh, and the extended archery season still goes till January 31st. So um, rifle season ends in January pretty 1st. much statewide January 1st. Um, and then those counties, remaining counties, have an extended archery season. And I wonder why. Well, maybe because the deer population in these areas is just so booming right now. That's that's exactly why. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, so um, but however, in on the map, you know, there's ex- extra regulations for certain counties. Um, for Scythe County, uh, if you're south of one highway, you're actually allowed primitive weapons, but no rifles. So you could use a shotgun and a muzzleloader mm-hmm. and a pistol, but you cannot use a rifle. Uh, if you go north of that line, then it's all game. You can use rifle during rifle season. You know, you can use a shotgun during, you know, prim- uh, right, uh, firearm season, uh, black powder. Um, but in Cobb County, because of the, uh, there, you know, so many, the congestion and so many homes and roads and everything, uh, they actually, it's archery only the entire season except for a couple of spots in north northern Cobb County uh, which does allow black powder and shotgun I believe but where I live it's archery only mm-hmm. um, so I have archery only all season long all the way from September 13th through the 15th whichever the day falls on a weekend all the way till January 31st and um, for the First time in seven years, I finally got a deer to come onto private property. And uh, it was a miracle, and it was a long wait, and it was just something that I couldn't believe happened. To me, I guess that sounds like you know, out of all the things that have happened, that was the perfect way to end the season in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I believe actually you asked me, you know, a couple of days later, are you, are you still going to hunt or are you calling in a season? I'm like, I'm still going to hunt. You know, I mean, whether I see anything or not, um, I want to get out there and hunt. And, you know, practice makes perfect. And even when you practice doesn't mean you'll always be perfect, but it definitely ups your odds. And uh, so I I like to spend time out in the woods. I like to spend time with with you guys going hunting. Uh, You know, like last year, um, you know, you shooting that eight point and, uh, you know, going tracking. Uh, You know, Scott, congratulations, actually, on your your first – year in a very long time and but you know yeah (laughs) but hey man i mean look i mean i had to you know last year you know if i wouldn't have shot that deer with my rifle up in north carolina you know i would have gone you know oh for one uh you know with no meat in the freezer and um you know and luckily it happened during rifle season and um, you know, I was able to put a good shot at about 230 yards on a, on a deer, but you know, when you're bow hunting and, or crossbow hunting, you know, your effective range is no more than about 50 yards. And mm-hmm. even then shooting a deer at, you know, getting a deer with, you know, to close that gap, you know, to get them into 30 yards, you know, that's even more challenging. And then hoping that you're going to be able to get that deer closer you know, to up those odds even more, that's even more challenging. And, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, man, Travis, give me a call. You got a place to hunt. Let me know, man. I'll grab my gear and let's go, you know? And 
you know, when you shot your deer, you text me and I was like, no way, I can't believe it. You know, and I, I think I was so excited for Scott because I knew all the the work you had gone through, you know, from season to season to season and having opportunities and, and missing the opportunities and, you know, making those mistakes. And then it finally it happens for you, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that deer walks into your, you know, neck of the woods into your neighborhood and able to present a good shot and let it rip and call me up and like, yeah, man, I'll drive up there and help you to, you know, tote them out of the woods and, you know, help you find them. And that's what it's all about. It's just, it's way too much fun to pass up. It's a blast. You know, that's, that's a story for another time, but you know, a short side of it is, you know, hunting here in Georgia is, is such a blast. I mean, it's, it's different than out West, you know, where it's these long extensive hikes and glassing and spotting and stalking. And the, the only be able to get one. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have that whole, that whole issue too. I mean, which, which is fine. It's how it's set up out there and it's set up that way for a reason. And the do, a, they, they do a great job of managing herds out there through that. So it works for them out there, but being here, you know, you don't have as many spawn stock op- opportunities. I've, I've had a few, you know, on the property where I finally harvested a buck um, a few weeks ago. But uh, it, it's really about the preparation, and it goes back to that's a property that, you know, back when I was younger, I, I was able to get on, and, and I knew that property very well. And I, I lucked into the chance that a, a buddy of mine called me up. Um, he, he had broke his leg, and he was going to be out for the rest of the season, and you know, offered to let me go back and, and, and hunt the property that, you know, I'd really been looking forward to hunting again. Um, I was able to harvest a buck. So it was, it was a great story. Um, it, it was a blast, a lot of fun for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you gotta, you know, take what you can get and make the best of it. And, and just, you know, it's all about getting out there mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but you know, you moved back from Colorado, you had to get things situated, you know, get you know, get a place to live. And get your license. Get, yeah. <laughs> that was a interesting. <laughs> that, took, that took forever, man. Get, get your license, which, you know, I mean, um, you know, but it's worth it. Looking into knowing that you just said that uh, property that you had going into 2015, you know, what, what are your goals? What are you, uh, what are you shooting for, for not only Turkey, but then to deer? Like, do you have certain things you're going after or different locations, trying to find new property? What's going on? Yeah, I, I'm really wanting to find uh, a couple of new properties. I think, you know, there's a couple of different pro- layouts of properties that I really want to look at trying, you know, uh, you know, something like a small property, you know, 15 acres, um, you know, a mid-sized property, 50 to 60 acres, you know, and then having a, a good property, you know, somewhere between that 60 to 100 acres on, on those, you know, on e- any property that I can get, what I'm really looking to do, though, is really move up to the next level, really, you know, put in, um, you know, some clover, some you know, radish, you know, some beans. I mean, really, you know, get some food plots out there um, and, and really um, manage, you know, get into managing a deer herd, uh, not necessarily for trophies, you know, I mean, I know so many people, you know, really want that Boone and Crockett, you know, sitting on their wall. And I'm not going to lie. I do too. But I'm looking for that place where I can enjoy my passion, uh, peace and quiet, uh, you know, be able to, to, you know, bring my buddies to go out there and where we can spend time and, and go hunt 
and just have a good time and, and, and make it worth our while and increase our odds. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, what a deer look for. They look for, you know, safe, safe havens and food, food sources, you know, and water. Yeah. And, well, uh, the, you know, the, go ahead. The, yeah. The funny thing is you were talking a little bit about, you know, categorizing size properties and, and you know, you say those size, you know, uh, you know, small being 15 mid to be in that 50 to, you know, 70, 50 to 80 range. And then your large properties being the hundred, hundred plus you, you talk to a lot of guys, um, you know, from South Georgia or, or outside of Georgia. And they're like, that, that's, that's, that's not enough property. They're like 50, 70 is nothing. That's like a small property where we're from. It is, but you know, in, in all of these Northern counties or the Northern part of the state here, um, there's so much pressure that, you know, if you can get a 15 to 30 yard track of land and in a manage suburb it, area as well. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, some, mm-hmm. some of these are very suburb. Some of them are, are out in the country, but they still have neighborhoods built around them or built through them. If you can manage a 15 to 30 yard or 50 to 30 acre property correctly, you know, food sources, um, water sources, you know, to be honest, the other hunters are going to do the, the work for you. They're going to push the deer so much on those other properties that they not only come to your property for food and water, but they're coming there for for safety. They're going to turn them nocturnal, and you're a bow hunter. You're the, you're the quiet. You're the guy that has planned out all of the all of the deer paths. You know what they're doing. You know the habitat. You know when they're moving, and you just have to wait for them to slip up. I mean, your season really comes down to the rut. You know them slipping up but you've given them a safe haven on 15 to 30 acres, which seems like nothing, but you pattern her correctly. And all these other rifle hunters on the outside scare them so bad that they don't move. Rut comes around and you have the perfect property to kill a, a, a Pope and young buck every oh, year, yeah. every oh, year. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I mean, some, there's been some very big bucks. I mean, we're talking, you know, 170 bucks. Uh, 180s, you know, probably being taken on, you know, a, a, a five, no more than 10 acre little track, you know, like you said, you increase those odds, you know, by, you know, doing your homework, you know, you got to get those cameras up. Um, you know, you're checking those rub lines and, and checking those scrapes and, you know, just, you know, and it's giving you an idea where they're coming from, where they're going to. And, Sure, you know, in my mind's eye, oh, I'd love to have, you know, a 500-acre, you know, property and, you know, a nice little hunting cabin. And the four, the four-wheelers and everything to go with it. You know, but you know what? I mean, uh, you know, I guess Under Armour hasn't gotten my letter or anything, you know. I mean, they don't <laughs> – they haven't replied. So, you know, I mean, without those sponsors, you know, it makes it pretty hard to do. But um, – <laughs> Well, that kind of comes back to the to the point of, of kind of the last part of this podcast is, you know, so many people don't have the option of, you know, leasing, you know, 500 acres to, you know, 2,500 acres. That, that's not that's not in their budget. It, they can't fit it in there. They don't have the time to get down there and manage it um, or they don't have the time to get down there because most of these places that y- you can go lease are, you know, two hours to four hours away. Uh, you might get down there a couple times a season, but you know, uh, us down here, we want we want to hunt. You know, we have the tags and the ability to hunt every weekend or every week and and kill a lot of deer, ten does and two bucks in a season. It gives us a lot of time we can spend in the woods. We don't want to do it two or three times a season. 
So in these north in the northern side, it, it's really you make do with what you can get. Can you get a 15 yard track? Do you have two acres uh, in, on the backside of a property that you got a lease or that you got permission to hunt? And so it's really coming down to knowing the regulations. You know, check with the county. There's there's properties that you know are, are kind of the they're kind of the unknown. You know, it's it's as long as you check with the county and you can hunt county property, there's little patches of two acres to 10 acres all over the place. And it's just doing the research, finding out what's legal, finding out what's not, and just making sure you stay away from the illegal side of it. And, and you can hunt all the time close to, close to where you work or close to where you live. Yeah. And see, and see some great deer, man. And see some awesome deer. Georgia doesn't get a lot of press other than NGON, which does a great job of, of showcasing some of the great bucks that they get harvested here. But there's no national exposure, which I'm okay with because it's, it's exactly, it's, you know, and, and when you look at out of state license for Georgia and compared to, you know, Colorado, um, you know, and I use that just because that's, that's where I moved from. The out of state fees aren't that much. Um, you come down here and you have great food and great hunting and, and great fishing. You can do a cast and blast uh, in the end of January and go bow hunting go and go duck hunting in the same day. Um, you know, I was – that you bring that up, you know, I was actually upset with North Carolina's 2014-15 season um, <laughs> costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last season I was able to pick between – a. I think it was, I think they had a six day and a 10 day hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, South Carolina actually offers a three day hunt, which is awesome because when I go with my friend Mark uh, to his place in South Carolina, uh, we would go Saturday or Friday through Sunday. So I could easily just get a three day, you know, you pay for your license, but then you have to pay for your three day big game hunting license. But this year, uh, North Carolina not only raised the price they got rid of that six-day hunt and so they only offered a 10-day hunt and it was like 250 bucks and i was just like wow i was like i don't want to pay that you know Mm -hmm. and i was like i was like guys you know i was was mad because when i was in the marine corps i had to pay north carolina state taxes and i lived in california for five years you know so i guess that kind of chapped me a little bit you know i was like (laughs) i can't believe you guys are raising your prices to 250 bucks I'm only going to be able to hunt if I'm lucky, maybe one day out of the week, if I'm lucky, you know, just, I knew I wasn't going to be able to go up there three or four days out of the week. Like I did the year before. Um, you know, we have more family coming into town this year than we did the year before. So I knew my time constraint, you know, it was just going, it was going to be limited. And so I just looked at my wife, you know, and I was just like, ah, that's not worth it. You know, so I, I made a purpose to leave everything at home in Georgia, didn't take anything with me. So, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> you weren't tempted. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, no. <laughs> looking at uh, everything that's happened through the season, going into the end of the, the extended archery, I have to say I have a lot of respect for what you've done and keeping your passion and the focus towards really staying out in the woods, still hunting, not letting the negative, the negative things that have happened affect your ability to go hunt 
And so, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that. I think that a lot of hunters should see that as something, if something bad happens to them, there's people that can still pursue this. And regardless if you get kicked down, get back up, get another bow, get something out there so you can get into the woods. Don't let the season just blow by just because something bad happens. Oh yeah. I mean, and that goes with everything, you know, anything in life, whether it's your job, whether, you know, you had a bad day at work and, you know, there's always a solution to a problem. And, uh, you know, sometimes those solutions do cost money. Um, but I knew, you know, I knew, I told myself, you know, if, if I can't, if I can't afford to get a tree stand, you know, I'm, I'm going to take some 550 cord out there and make me a nice little, you know, blind, ground blind. Uh, mm-hmm. I had plenty of places on the property that I knew I could do that. I could set up a choke point. Uh, some good spots where I could get some good cover, some good brush, and and put a nice little you know um, ground blind with some foliage on it. And uh, I think I talked to to a friend of mine and said, "Hey, dude, you know you got a ghillie suit I could borrow. Mm-hmm. You know I'll, I'll go uh, American sniper on him out there with a crossbow. You know, <laughs> you know throw on a ghillie suit or something, and uh, you know just lay in the mud and and sit there and wait." You know, and, uh, you know, so um, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to get out there. You got to get yourself up no matter what. And, uh, you know, it's not going to happen unless you're out there. Exactly. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where that one day where you just say, oh, I feel like sleeping in. I don't want to get up. Or uh, that one day, hey, it's, driz- you know, it's there's a drizzle outside and it's cold out. And, oh, that's just not going to be fun. Well, that was the day you probably just missed, you know, the biggest buck of your life, you know, that what you would, you know, your unicorn buck. And uh, so you got to keep getting out there no matter what happens. And at the same time, it's just fun. I mean, what what would you rather do? I mean, I know (laughs) I'd rather be out in the woods all day than, uh, you know, sitting by behind a phone making sales calls or, uh, you know, doing something. I mean, if I could do that every day, I'd be a happy man every day. I, I think that uh, it's easy to say that we're all outdoor enthusiasts one way or another. Exactly. You know, whether it's camping, fishing, I mean, which we got to talk about doing some trout fishing uh, coming up Absolutely. here pretty soon, you know, we're, and turkey's going to be coming up too. So we got to get ready for that. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, wrapping up the end of this deer season got a, about two weeks left and then it's it's full on for getting ready for rainbows and browns and you know turkey is right around the corner i can't tell you how excited i am for that i've a lot of stuff i've been really waiting to try out and a couple of the properties we've been on are some phenomenal places with a with what they had a lot of turkeys i don't know if they're still going to be there or not but <laughs> middle of the season they were all over the place so uh, it's going to be a blast to get out and, and do some, do some hunting for turkeys from the ground, and between the three of us, we should be able to get some birds on the ground and hopefully get them on film. Yeah, that, that yeah, that would be exciting. Absolutely, and, uh, man. You know, just keep working up towards that, and and you know, hopefully, we're going to get some good properties for this year and uh, this coming season, and and you know, get uh, get some food plots out there and, and see what we can't, you know, turn into, uh, you know, the 2015, 16 season. And, you know, maybe a year or two past that, if we're lucky with the, uh, with the property leases, you know, it's, it's kind of like, oh, Lee, man, it's 31st of January, you know, it's, 
Whoa, it's whoa, a, whoa, it's slow approaching, down. You know? Slow down. I still <laughs> I still have two weeks to try and get one of these bigger bucks on the ground. Don't don't push don't push us to February so quick. Yeah, you you better call me and let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Brandon, you had an incredible I mean an awful incredible story for this season and I don't think anybody could top that. Uh it was um, I'm really glad you came on and shared it with us because I think what you had to share has a lot of value for a lot of listeners. So I appreciate that. Yeah. For instance, here, I'll give you a, uh, a little, little recap of, of Brandon's season text message wise. Brandon's season via text message. Tuesday, August 26, 3.54 PM. Jeep just got broken into today while I was at work. Crossbow and PSC are gone. Fast forward. And you can't forget shortly right after that, that, Almost everything he had on the property was completely stolen. The cameras, the climber stands, you name it. To Saturday, November 15th, 7 to 3 a.m. Dude, just lost the bottom of my tree stand. I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the rail. <laughs> and, and mind you, man, now, now don't forget this, okay? Because I sat on that top part of the railing of the tree stand for two and a half hours before I even climbed down. I still hunted. I didn't just immediately shoot down the tree and give up. I actually stayed up there while my feet went numb, freezing, uncomfortable, <laughs> just so I wouldn't bust any more deer and ruin your hunt, dude. See, that's what it's all about right there, man. See, that was sacrifice. <laughs> lost 703, lost the bottom of my stand. LOL. Freaking chilly. I responded back with, are you seeing or hearing anything? Are you sure you're okay? Brandon responds with, Sucks. I can't stand up. <laughs> uh, and see, and, and that was where I was most concerned about was actually, okay, my feet are numb. My legs are going numb. How am I going to get down this tree now? Because I stood, I stayed up there so long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. But made it down alive, man. Made it down in one piece. So that was good. And hey, by the way, always wear your safety harnesses, people. No, if, 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 if there's one thing that shouldn't get cut off of this, I'm telling you right now, um, this was a brand new stand. I tied a good knot, at least I thought I did, but apparently my, my knot tying skills are very crappy, um, <laughs> apparently. And uh, where your safety harnesses, people, I'm telling you, man, if I wouldn't have had that safety harness, there would have been a different phone call. Yeah, um, and it wouldn't have been for me. It'd have probably been from Scott to my wife. So I'm telling you, wear that safety harness. It doesn't matter. Um, make sure you're strapped in because you just never know. Then we fast forward to Monday, December eighth at nine o three a.m. BBD twenty yards. I smoked him. It was a Monday, man. So it was Monday. It was Monday, December eighth. So it's season season and recap. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much my season right there. And well, that took you about five minutes, but you know, if you were prepared, maybe thirty second recap. But, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we we can we can edit it down. <laughs> well, man, uh, Brandon, uh, thank you again for coming on the show and uh, telling us your story. It was fascinating. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me and. Uh, you know, look forward to, to many more trips out to go hunting and, you know, more seasons coming up. And Scott, glad you finally moved back to Georgia, man. And um, congratulations on your engagement as well. That's it's outstanding. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm I'm excited to be back in Georgia and uh, very excited to be engaged. I I've got a uh, I got a great one. She literally pushes me out the door to go hunting. She's she does the whole you know you've worked all week you need some time go hunt. So I'm I'm thrilled that and she she likes she likes venison. I guess we've all been pretty lucky with we we found women that uh, love deer meat. Oh yeah, that, I have a, have a lot of friends who. Uh, <laughs> Did not find that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, guys, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. You know, definitely first time I've ever done anything like this, and uh, it won't be the last. Yeah, no. If your stories funny. keep up like this, we can uh, we can write a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said before, it was a real pleasure, and I'm I'm glad you came on. Thank you again. All right, guys, have a good night. You know, talk about from his stories. I, I don't know personally if luckily he had some. Uh, advantages of the insurance paying for some of his equipment to get back but i think it was amazing that he just didn't stop he kept on going and pursuing to get back out in the woods um, i don't think a lot of people would have done that no i mean it, it really goes to show that you know there is for all the time that we as hunters spend out scouting and prepping prepping property and getting ready for the season there, there's always something that can happen you know whether it's someone's still in your stand you know you losing a property you know, someone's stealing your stuff out of your Jeep, as Brandon experienced, um, as well as a multitude of other little things that always seem to happen. Um, there's always things that we battle, and, and it's how do we take those situations and continue with the season and have a successful season. Uh, so it's a really good story from, from beginning to end of all the stuff he went through, kind of showing that, you know, at the end, you you just got to get back out in the woods and, and go after and go after whatever it is you're chasing. You know, that brings up a point because he kept getting out and there's probably so many people out there that will go hunting, maybe give it a two or three times, maybe a weekend or two during the season. And if no success happens, they give up. It might be raining. They give up. You know, or if it's too cold, they'll just give up. I don't want to get out. He had things that happened to him and he didn't give up. That shows some devotion. And that, I give him a lot of props for that. Oh, yeah. You know, situations are never going to be perfect throughout a hunting season. You're always going to have those mornings you get out there and you think everything's been great. Wind shifts, more wind comes in or maybe rain. Something happens. Coyotes come blasting through where you're at. Um, there's always stuff that happens. But it's, it's, how you, it's how you deal with that situation. Oh yeah. Did you, did you when it starts getting super windy, do you stay in the tree? Um, you know me. If it starts getting that windy, that quick, honestly, more than likely, I'm getting out of the tree and I'm going to hightail it to a different part of the property that I know is going to provide a wind shelter for the deer. Try and and try and beat them there. Um, well, you know, you know got, actually, even that situation two years ago. The day I got that buck, it was very windy. I didn't budge. And I just said, like, you know what? Because I didn't really know the property line that well. I just stayed. And sure enough, 8.15 in the morning, that deer walked right into the area. So sometimes you get lucky. Oh, yeah. So much of hunting is is getting <laughs> all <lucky>. luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely set yourself up for a better situation, better opportunity. But when it comes down to it, it's, you know, it's there's there's a fair amount of luck that comes into it to, oh, yeah. to shooting a deer um but it's it's a blast and you know just like brandon um you know something i love doing something i'm going to continue doing uh and no matter what the circumstance or the situation or or the year is really thrown at me um 
you know, we'll be out in the woods. We'll, we'll be chasing whitetail. You know, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you can head over to mybowrush.com forward slash zero one one. It'll take you right to the show notes as well as the option to be able to listen to any other episodes we've done so far. Please leave a comment and share it out with your friends. Absolutely. You know, uh, we've got this is this is the beginning of the second season of the Bow Rush podcast. We're really excited to see kind of where it goes from here. We have some really good guests lined up that are going to be coming on. Um, so and you're yes. going to be hearing more stories too, because it's not all about tech. I mean, sometimes stories you can learn more from that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. So please, you know, go to go to the one of the sites. Go to facebook.com forward slash my bow rush and and tell us about it. You know, give us a blurb about what happened this season. What was that great moment? What was that not so great moment? Um, but that's that's what hunting's about, and you know, this is. What people enjoy doing is telling and listening to all the stories because there's thousands and thousands of stories just from this last season about great moments. So, you know, we want to be a, a podcast that you guys love to go and listen to and, and enjoy listening to, whether it's tech tips, uh, whether it's hunting stories uh, and, and educational stuff that we're going to be doing. So, you know, stay tuned. Come back and see us. Uh, the other thing that would really help is if you're listening to this through iTunes or if you're, if you're not listening, if you're listening through some kind of uh, podcast app, go to iTunes.com forward slash MyBowRush. Nope. And, no, it, it's MyBowRush.com forward slash iTunes. Yep. <laughs> Damn it. I had that. I wrote that down wrong. That's why. If you can go to MyBowRush.com forward slash iTunes and leave us, leave us a review, leave a comment, that's really going to help us kind of get out there and, and – get the bow rush podcast into the into the ears of more people make sure you tune in we'll have another podcast coming out here shortly and as always i'm scott nelson i'm travis stowe and make sure to always lock your ladder stands on and secure your jeep windows oh my god too soon too soon (laughs) (laughs) Uh, go out and get a bow rush